Welcome to another edition of Black Love Bites with me, Patsy Isle. And me, Joy Francis. So here we are again, and it gives me great pleasure to be talking about food, in this case, baking, because you know that uh, we've spoken about, especially during uh, COVID-19 lockdown, that many of us are cooking and cooking more and relying on either ancient recipes that really shouldn't see the light of day or <laughs> in terms of you know YouTube but I we've got as our guest today Ade Fola Alade who is the co-founder of Bacon Intelligence with a background in computer science cyber security and big data he directs the product and technology vision for Bacon Intelligence so what is Bacon Intelligence it's an e-learning platform which was founded in February 2018 to help bakers around the world learn to bake online. So with over 2,000 students, I think I want to sign up as well to be the 2001, <laughs> um, registered on the platform and thousands more receiving training through um, other baking intelligence channels. I think what is incredibly special about this is that uh, it's been set up by a family from Nigeria and is almost like a food love affair and love letter to the African continent. So Ade, welcome. Hi, thank you, Joy. Thank you, Patsy. Thanks it's for being with be us. And I, and I think the whole thing, you know, with you being a relatively new, you know, enterprise, um, and it's focusing on baking um, at a time when most people are at home in COVID-19, how is that landing for you? Um, it's been an amazing experience. It's been a whirlwind experience. Um, we're very happy we started before COVID-19 happened uh, because we realized more and more that um, we are, with the times, um, we were a little bit ahead of the curve, but COVID-19 has shown us that we were looking in the right place. We were looking to create a solution, and it's been an interesting, tumultuous, exciting experience during this time um we've had to chop and change a lot we've had to look at new growth models look at how we can continue to grow um analyze new ways we can continue to expand um look at new ways to service our customers better um find out what our users pain points are and make sure we're listening to them um it's in one word i'd say it's been exciting and you know, it's been exciting and it's just been an amazing learning experience, really. You know, you're saying that your cyber security background and big data and then we're looking at baking. I mean, and then the fact that you are co-founder with your mother and your brother. I mean, most people look at that and say that's a recipe for disaster. I couldn't avoid that pun, I'm sorry. Because you're working with your mother and your brother. Do you know what I mean? I was, yeah, and, um, I'm like, how? interested in that, actually, myself. Um... It's 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 not necessarily so. I mean, there are the obvious the obvious hiccups you would expect when working with family. But I think when you come from a loving, close knit, -knit family, um, I don't think it's as big a problem. At the end of the day, I trust my family. I trust my mom. I trust my brother, and I know that ultimately, even if they annoy me um, sometimes or we upset each other sometimes, they've got my best interest in hearts and I got there so uh, it's never really about money luckily I'm not and I believe none of my uh, none, none, my none of the people in my family um, at least in my uh, nuclear family are 
you know, Shylocks. No one's, no one's, you know, heavy on the money. No one's really trying to cheat one another. <laughs> cheat one another. I grew up, I grew up sharing very early. With this, this doesn't last too long. But I mean, sharing a bottle of Fanta. You know, um, if if you try to cheat, cheat your brother. You know, at ten years old, twelve years old, you would get a huge reprimanding. So it's sort of being, you know drilled into us a long time that you work together i think usually money is the biggest factor uh when it comes to uh conflict in business and i think really that isn't an issue um and i think once you've got that and you your family um you know how to work together the truth of the matter is the idea came from a family business um uh my mom and the rest of our family indeed ran a cafe and baking business and that's what birthed baking intelligence so it's been family before baking intelligence was there and it will continue to be family um and i do believe that um families and businesses can work amazingly well together uh, look at walmart and many other iconic families in the business space so i i think it's i think it's important that we start to see more black families um take on take on this idea of building wealth and building enterprises and building businesses together because uh, the family is the most important unit within the community and once we can start to work together and pull our resources together who's closer to you than your family um i i beg to differ it's not a recipe for disaster it's actually a recipe for something beautiful well i was hoping you say that <laughs> i think i think one of the things that i wanted to kind of talk about was was the focus actually on baking because we we quite often we see i mean i so many recipe books so many kind of ideas from the caribbean and african but it tends to be more savory and i'm and then you, you talked a little bit about the cafe and, and the stuff that you guys used to run a cafe and that's kind of why you chose baking and i'm really kind of keen I was looking on your website before I came on, um, and I, by the way, I'm absolutely loving the sound of the moist carrot cake. <laughs> I was actually going to try and make it for this session so I could be sounding mmms in the background. Um, but, but what I wanted to know is, is um, uh, kind of, so it's really great to see that you're kind of focusing on baking, and, and obviously I've got friends who during lockdown, literally they've been baking together as couples, as families. Um, and I'm just wondering, are you, do you have any plans for kind of developing some of those recipes and giving them a real African twist? Um, yes. Uh, the reality is that I think one of our USPs is that they do have an African twist and it's not mm. necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily just, uh, using African ingredients because most of them, like you said, are savory. It's mm. actually um, how we really started was we knew our USP was we knew how to bake to the African palate and in African conditions. So that means that um, a, a recipe that calls for whipping cream uh, in the UK um, or many temperate countries with cool weather doesn't work at almost 40 degrees centigrade in Nigeria. It will melt, you know, and there are many, there are many, many, many different things that don't work that you find on YouTube, you find on the internet that just don't work um, when you're in Africa or I guess any really hot climate. And we spent a lot of time developing those recipes. Like I said, the business existed before. So we'd had um, almost 10 years of building, you know, the, the cake business, the cake dessert 
cafe business and we learned the tips and tricks to make things work. I mean, you learn, you make mistakes. We've done cakes before and it's someone's birthday cake and it collapses, you know, you know, in the car on the way to the, got to apologize. And you seem like the devil really, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't think we messed up anyone's wedding, but we had a lot of near misses. And I think that's what you, you know, that's what you kind of figure out while, while you're doing the business. So we had a lot of experience realizing what works in the Nigerian. And initially we were looking at the Nigerian market and we knew we had a lot to share. Um, and so it was actually, first of all, defining, uh, sort of sharing recipes that work, um, methods that work for Africans. The equipment you have, we don't always have easy access to the most equipment. Even the ice cream, you, you'd see there are loads of classes, there's ice cream making classes there, there's chocolate making, cheese making. Cheese is not a part of the African diet in general. And so it was extremely expensive. Uh, so we figured out ways to make it and make uh, Africans and uh, West Africans and pretty much anyone um, know how to make it at, re at reduced cost because you would be spending three times, four times the cost if you were doing it, um, you, if you were buying it from supermarkets, um, the imported cheeses. So that's really where we started from. Um, and of course, what that expands into is we're looking at bringing more of the staple Nigerian desserts in. So things like puff puff, things like wheat pies, um, you know, a, lo a lot of the Nigerian um, sweets and the African sweets in general, we're expanding. We started filming videos with new people. We're expanding it a little bit outside of food, outside of baking and into the wider food, uh, the food market as well. I do a lot personally of experimental baking with African, with an African twist. Um, so of course, later on down the line, we're going to probably expand into that. But the reality is from business perspective, the demand is not as much, but mm -hmm. we do experiment with those. We do put them out in videos on our Instagram. I share those for free, to be honest. So people get unique ideas. Uh, there's, uh, there's a flower called Semolina flower, for instance. And I draw reason to make what's called Semol. Uh, but many people didn't realize you could use that to make just regular cake, you know, um, uh, or things like people call pap, akamu, ugi. People don't realize you can turn those things into desserts. So that's a different part of the story. But of course, the, the market for that is not as large. Not many people are looking to that market. But um, we do have plans to have those kind of um, courses come up in the very near future. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you mentioned, you know, when you think about what, you know, the, the, we're having this conversation, you know, in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the in the middle of the protests for Black Lives, Black Lives Matter in the UK, you know, across the country, um, and and in terms of, you know, we're now at the point, and by the time this podcast comes out, the question is like, what next? And it's always been there, but now it's been heard differently. Is about what you mentioned about you know building um, businesses within Black communities, you know, and building resources and 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 working together as as Black families should be more Black, you know, Black-led businesses run by Black families. Um, and it feels now that that's resonating in a particular way. I mean, what's coming through for you, and what's what's coming up for you as a family? Um, operating in this environment, and especially you as a, as a, a black male entrepreneur? Um, to be honest, it's it's actually really 
for me, it's a very deep, it was a very deep thing. It was very painful to watch um, those videos. And the funny thing is it's something I'd be very passionate about, uh, you know, the success of the black race in general, the success of Africa and the African diaspora. Um, and it's been on my, it's weighed heavy on my heart for a really long time, you know, and, but actually I did a lot of history and literature in school and I dabbling in economics and business and philosophy, and psychology. So I really have looked at it from a wide variety of perspectives and um, I'm really happy to see the amount of um, the people that have come out to step out and demand for change and demand for justice and demand, as you said, for the dismantling of some of the, um, some of the actually all of the um, institutional structures that have held uh, black people down um that being said um i do believe that as much as we protest we're not going to have racist stuff that many a couple would have a change of heart but most of them will still remain fun um a lot of the establishment who look to create those those uh those structures are not likely to be very forthcoming um when doing these things so what can we do on our part and that's just continue to continue to put out stories and put out images of uh, black people being successful i i do believe imagery and uh, messaging and continue to be positive within the community and not lose hope and not you know give in believe that you know black excellence exists i believe that has a huge impact in, in, in um, shaping a community i things as simple as having a fictional wakanda you'd be so <laughs> you'd be surprised yeah. how how yeah. big an impact that has on people's black pride and belief in black excellence um you know I, i've had a very very different um experience with racial issues um compared to all the average story you hear in the media being that I grew up in Nigeria, so everybody in and around me was black, um, mm. rich, poor, mm. high class, low class. Um, I generally came from what would be considered the higher, in, in terms of social, Nigeria, perhaps a higher, obviously not, not higher. And I find that um, just that mindset, just that thing was holding me back. Um, because everybody around me was successful and race didn't seem to be a factor within that Nigerian community. It helped me and a lot of people around me really go out there and take the world by its I found that just that liberating yourself in your own mind has a has huge impact. I do believe that generally a lot of the hurdles that I personally have been able to cross despite my race have been, been from me internally being and knowing and believing that I can be anything I want to be and not believing that the setbacks that, um, that the white, the, the, uh, I wouldn't want to say white to make it seem like it's, uh, it's only that because racism comes from every race, but, um, but a lot of these institutions and, uh, people have put out there, I don't let that hold me back. And I believe as a race and a community, you find that a lot of successful people tended to defy those odds that and bet on themselves i believe as a black community we have to start to bet on ourselves mm -hmm. and believe in ourselves as a community because we will we will continue to push back we will continue to you know you know protest we will continue to demand change we will continue to demand justice 
um, at the same time, we can't rely on others doing some of that stuff for us. For, for us, we have to start looking. Like you asked, the question you asked was, "What next?" What next is really us starting to believe in ourselves and know you. Look at all the successful Black people that are out there and are doing amazing things. I mean, we've we've got so many people to look up to, and we should start mm-hmm. to believe that we can dismantle those uh, those chains we have in our in our minds sometimes. I mean, the thing is that <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say, I think that. Um, uh, one of the things I've been talking about recently, just because of everything that's, that's happened in our day, is this idea about, you know, the village mentality. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's quite that's quite nice about the fact that you have a family business, because, you know, I think quite often in the Western world, those kind of um, uh, those kinds of connections, those wider connections that we have that we used to have in terms of this idea of a village and kind of yeah. how we can stand together those those seem to to kind of be be lost um is is that still the same in terms of i mean you know beyond the kind of wider family is that still the same in nigeria do you still have that kind of village kind of feel in terms of support for businesses um businesses or just generally support uh, well in terms of support on a family basis i think it largely still exists it's being eroded and it's being changed and it's something i i sometimes worry a lot about um which is that um european societies developed in their own ways um and some of those developments were good some of them were positive some of them were negative i believe one of the positive things they did without was like you said that village that clan that familial mentality um um, i believe european communities gave away that a lot of the took away a lot of the responsibility from the family and passed it on to the government in the African and generally black community, we still have that sense of family. And I think it's very important we keep that and don't lose it. I think that's one of the things we we have the opportunity to learn from the mistakes of people that have developed much further before us and do better. And one of the things I do believe we have going right for us is, you know, that believing in this in the family in the family group and the family unit and building on that so it does exist it is starting to erode because a lot of people see success and equate um anglo-european success to be what true success is so, so a lot of individualism is starting to take shape in the younger generation and i do believe that we need to we need to keep a lot of that traditional that believing in the group believing in the family and trying to put the family forward because I believe that's where our strength lies and that's what makes us different and that's what would really make us you know have a greater impact um, on the world in general. I mean that's one of the reasons why you know we invited you on the show because as you say we only can believe in what we see um, yeah. you know I mean obviously we have to use our imagination you know and that helps us create things because we don't see ourselves represented broadly um but what we inspire is what you do the fact that you have this family run business you know you're you would fall under the category dear i say of being a millennial you're still in your 20s um yeah. and the fact that you uh, are building something that comes from your experience as an african black man um who is now based in the uk and despite initially attracting black people i mean now one of the other things isn't it in terms of covid you're saying that you've got people from australia because everyone's in lockdown you're finding people and drawing people to 
uh, the Nigerian taste buds through yeah. your your programs, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you, yes. Do you want to say a bit more about that? About the fact that people are coming to you from countries that pre-COVID weren't connecting to baking intelligence. Yeah, um, and I think it's it is true. We have seen that. We've seen getting people from what 17, 18, 19 different countries. Get people from Australia, from Malaysia, from Thailand. Um, the Caribbean. I think the only continent we haven't touched is South America. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably because of the language barrier because I, I don't think there's a single English-speaking country in South America. Um, and I think that's the only reason that's happened. But yeah, I think a lot of it is being true. We've been true to ourselves and we've told our story and shaped our business in the way that we know how and the way that works. One thing you find, um, there's a lot of group think that happens within the startup community, which is everybody has this whole lean startup methodology, um, try fast, fail hard. Everybody's trying this. Everyone is playing from the same playbook. We take from that playbook. I've learned a lot of amazing stuff from that playbook, but there's a lot of stuff that I know doesn't work as well in the unique situations that we are in. And a lot of people are unique and have their own unique you know, circumstances. I think a lot of people have to learn to adapt what they learn to their unique circumstances. We've stayed uniquely African because that's what we know. And what you find is that when you stay unique and true to yourselves, more people will connect to that because it's authentic. Um, and I think that's that's really, I think, why people are getting more attracted. And it happens in every industry. You look at, say, uh, again, I can relate back to this as a Nigerian. I remember the Nigerian music industry. There was a time when people were trying to be American. And, you know, they were trying to, and none of them. None of them made it. <laughs> None of them blew, so to say, trying to just simply rap or simply trying to be hardcore hip hop. Talk about the American ghettos we never came from. Um, mm-hmm. But the moment we started, people started to lean into, say, the Afrobeat sound. That has become a global sound now. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people are making multiple millions of dollars off of that original sound. And I do believe that that staying true to your to who you are and what you do while of course globalizing it as you grow scaling making scaling your authenticity is important but remember to stay true to your where you come from stay true to your customers stay true to your to your your fan base your loyal people what they want i think it's important for growth in any business and in any endeavor at all yeah, you seem to um, you seem to be kind of managing to do that really well, considering that you are um, managing to access literally near enough the whole world, like you say, just one continent you haven't managed to touch. And I wonder, so if if, if, there, if you can say, what's next for Bacon Intelligence? What's the next big plan, the big idea? Um, so of course, with COVID nineteen making us really have this big strong rethink. Um, we're thinking of, you know, we have a lot of different things on the table. Um, I, I think talking about it right now would be a bit premature, but we do see um, the business spinning off in new directions. We do see that we're doing something right. Um, um, I, 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 looking at the industry and looking like uh, at some of the other businesses that have come up, some are way bigger than us and have closed down because um, um they took on strategies that maybe were not as sustainable. We realized we, we had been doing something right. I was looking at the charts, so some of our revenue chart, charts, for instance, or our user, everything is ticking up. 
it's not taking up as blitzscaling uh, as as people like Reed Hoffman would call it, as 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 you would traditionally want in in a high growth startup, and people are you know so so focused on blitzscale. How many million users can you get in the next year? Uh, we've taken our time and taken it within our stride, um, and we've realized yes, we can can scale it. Yes, we 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 think we figured out what the world really wants and what really drives value in terms of sharing knowledge in the baking and creative and making spaces. And we're coming up with a new solution. We're trying to evolve um, the business to, you know, reflect this new, more scalable, more easily accessible to more people, you know, model. Uh, but again, like I said, it's, it's still very early, so I, I wouldn't want to, you know, talk too much about it. But I do believe that baking intelligence or uh, baking intelligence will will is well positioned to change uh, the game in terms of knowledge sharing in in these spaces globally. Uh, yeah. But also as well, I think maybe be really from my point of view, interesting to see as a result of you know the spike as a result of COVID nineteen people you know showing their love really you know through food and expressing themselves through food and through baking yes. particularly that if you know on our the great british bake-off and everything else if we're going to start seeing more um black people baking because you know i grew up my mother baked you know she baked bread it didn't last very long um you know brown bread that home or bread that you look like you could throw throw it through the window like a brick but it tasted absolutely delicious i mean we're talking about the, we're talking about the 70s you know what i mean sometimes too much yeast mum but it was always tasty and she baked with you know she just turned 80 um you know Aww. yesterday and so we went to see her two days ago and you know we're talking about all the baking that she did savory and sweet she used to do jam roly-poly um and um you know jam sponge and you know when i used to eat meat you know steak and kidney pudding with suet so you know mm. and all that you know in a way being lost because we just enjoyed eating it but you know this is something she's all self-taught and she was brilliant and then when we went to um you know socially distant at her house with my dad she baked um chocolate organic chocolate and beetroot brownies so delicious do you mm. know what i mean and she got yeah. that you know so so you know so and she's 80 so it shows you that and I think what you're doing is so important because you are going to inspire the next generation to show that we can do this. And like you're saying, you've adapted the recipes, you know, environmentally, everything to, to suit palates, but also the environment. Um, but now I've got, I'm going to ask you a very, very important question. <laughs> in a very important, who's the best baker in the family? <laughs> I'd say it's my mom. I think that's the safest answer to be honest Absolutely. but I think it's also the truest answer to be honest like, I think she, she's she, she's done it the longest I guess she 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 knows like if I've got a problem I go to her to ask and everybody will go to her to ask what, what, what the solution is I guess she's the one and what's you know, your favourite like, thing she bakes that if you was like you know you, 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 know, you said you know you, you know you work hard you're tired and you said mum I'd really love you to bake this what would it be Japanese cheesecake. Whoa. Wow. That sounds good. <laughs> Straight away, I'm like, I want to see that recipe. That sounds Absolutely. Good. Is, that, is that on the website, Japanese cheesecake? I think it is. I believe it is, actually. Uh, it's, it's one of the cake recipes and one of the courses. I'm not sure which one, but I believe okay. it is. All right. And then just finally, I mean, there's two things that come up. Look, I'm not trying to get, you know, maybe I am because I'm having to explain it away. Um, no, I'm not trying to get a, you know a piece of the action necessarily, but I think you know thing that strikes me because I know we, we, for me I thought over 
exposed to social media at the moment and and computers i mean it's part of my life it's now a big part of my life mm -hmm. but and it you know and but i would love to know if you're going to bring out a cookery book for example because that's um, something i can see oh have i hit something because i can and even a tv show because i know mm. that you you have and another thing you said that was really important i just want to really want to say this before we start winding up the fact that it was important for you with the you know the video tutorials that you had people speaking the dialect you know within you know Nigeria um, mm -hmm. and within the African continent that people they saw people who looked like them and sounded like them I think that's so important yes so I'm is. just wondering in terms of a cookery book and what you could do with that particularly around what you've managed to get people to do think about you know making their own cheese and even in the TV show I mean that is that something that is part of your five-year plan TV no um, I think I, I honestly <laughs> I think I think TV is a dying. I think TV is a dying medium. Um, I, but definitely, we do plan on expanding content on the internet. Um, I believe that, like you said, you, you spoke about your grandmother who. My mother. Sorry, your mother. Sorry. She's already Bane. Do not please. Don't worry about it. Uh, my bad. Um, your mother who yeah. big jam really police. Um, but what you find a lot of times, people um, associate baking with the older generation. And mm. I'm, start, I'm starting to see a resurgence of that in the newer generation. That's because there's newer mediums. Um, it's becoming more interesting with social media. People are taking it more seriously. I really do, be, do believe there isn't enough. And that's why I believe baking intelligence is stepping and filling that gap for, to, you know, you know, to fill in the gaps in terms of um, content creation and content delivery for it the baking and cooking industry but um yes tv is probably not currently as i see it not likely going to be one of the mediums but as far as books goes go yes i think my mom released a cookbook uh, sold all the physical copies sold out but they are actually still available to buy as ebooks off the baking intelligence website and it's really interesting because it's 20 cakes um all of them with the story behind them as to how she came up with ah. the recipe or if she doesn't have a story behind it, because you're going to come up with a story for every single one she, she just tell you where it came from but we do have that and that is something that people within the baking intelligence community really look at it was really designed for the baking intelligence community but now that you speak of it we might look to you know expanding it beyond and just making it put it out there it's a big book but yeah it's been there and it's been a big hit in the baking intelligence community i think for everybody who's there i i think at least for 80% of the population of people who listen to us, they've got a copy of the book. So, yeah, you can go onto the website, download I'm looking at it right copy. now. <laughs> you purchase, purchase a copy. Yeah, for starter book of recipes, at yes. volume one, 21 pounds and seven pence, people. That is a bargain. All right. So. And actually, can I just say, Ade, um, do you want to just quickly say, because um, I think one of the good things about your website as well is the price point of the courses. Do you want to just say a quick thing about the price point? That was the most important thing, to be honest. And I think it has to do with the people that we serve. So we serve an African market and um, you might you might not realize it, but a lot of people can't afford to pay mm. even 20 pounds for a course. Um, and that was one of the biggest things. So we, we realized we used to do physical in-person in training and it would cost upwards of 250 pounds. And most people couldn't pay that, you know, um, so we realized, why don't we um, do something that's scalable um, and has a 
lower price point. That was one of the most important things for Bacon Intelligence. I think it has been key to our success. At what point, price point, can we deliver these courses that they're affordable for most people? Um, and I think because you would think some of those prices are easy to pay, you shouldn't bat. There are people who you would hear email you or uh, send you messages and say, oh, I really saved up to get this, or I've been waiting to do this for a really long time. And you probably take that for granted, but it's not everybody. And given that we're dealing with Africans primarily, um, we try to make sure that our prices are affordable for them. And the rea what we figured out is that it doesn't really affect us. Um, economies of scale come into play because they're more affordable, more people buy them. So we're really not losing out on anything. Plus, a lot of people say, oh, the years of me learning all this, it's, it's, it's not worth 10 pounds. Are you going to die with it? <laughs> you know, like how much are you going to make off it? So we do believe in sharing. I, I believe in the sharing economy. I, I do believe it's, we should be sharing more as a people. We should be loving more. We should be doing things out of goodwill. And it doesn't pay badly as well. So um, that, that's what really informed that. Well, we're, we're just to say, if anyone is interested, you know, uh, please visit bakingintelligence.com where you can see about the courses, the books, um, resources, some of which, you know, some of the um, recipes uh, and the courses are free. Uh, and I think I'm definitely going to be taking a look and, and spreading the word about this. So, Ade, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yes, thank this you. Time. So much for having me. I really appreciate it and I love I love you guys' platform and what you're doing, sharing Black stories. I think it's important. Um, and I think exactly what you were doing, like I said earlier on, is what needs to be done, done more of. The world needs to see the beauty of what um, Black culture is globally. Um, and the more people doing that, the better. Well, look, thank you. And I, I, we're going to find some way to invite you back or your mum. You know, Absolutely. do something with your mum. I think, I think she'd be glad. You've heard someone who was born in the 90s talk. Let's hear what someone was born, born much earlier, what her perspective of it is. I mean, I, was, I wasn't born into it, but I, I grew up on the internet. She learned it, you know, as she went, you know. So I think her perspective of things might be slightly different from, from mine. So I'm sure she'd love to do that. So there we have it. Another really fun but also insightful and thought-provoking episode of Black Love Bites uh, and as we said with our previous episode that we are we want your stories about how you are loving and thriving and the challenges and how you're overcoming them during COVID-19 and at a time when the black experience or rather experiences is on an international global world stage and being shared digitally shared personally in our lockdown spaces about who we are and how we're defined so let us know what, what you're doing how you're feeling and we're still recording this from our position of lockdown here in the uk um but i think we're about a week or less than a week away from lockdown so even if uh, you're you've, you're out of lockdown. Um, we still want to hear your stories. This is going to be going on and affecting us for many months to come. Uh, there's still going to be effectively some form of lockdown or some form of restriction, um, at least until the end of 2020. So these are stories that we really are interested in hearing. So anything you want to share with us, please, please, please share. 
So until then, until the next time, be safe.